Got questions? The Bible has answers. We'll help you find them. Welcome to the God Questions Podcast with Shay Hoodman, President of God Questions Ministries. Welcome to the God Questions Podcast. On today's show, we've got three local Colorado pastors to talk to you about something that I know a lot of us have had on our minds for the past year or so. It's COVID and how COVID restrictions and quarantines and safety procedures and so forth work with how we attend our churches. So today I have with me I'm Brian Sharp, the pastor at Northview Evangelical Free Church, John Dracy, the pastor at Calvary South Denver, and Josh Lindstrom, the pastor at Woodman Valley Chapel. Gentlemen, thank you for being on the show. It's great to have you. To start us off, I just want to talk a little briefly about what the past year has been like for you as a pastor. What are some of the unique struggles you've experienced with trying to manage, lead a congregation over the past year? And even what are some of the maybe unexpected positive things you've seen develop over the, the past year of just dealing with COVID and everything thereof? Yeah, for me, it, it was an interesting uh, year. I started at Northview March 1st, 2020. So I actually preached twice in person and then we went online. So it's just a crazy beginning to my tenure at Northview. And I think for us, uh, COVID, you know, when everything shut down, it, it affected everyone. But for us, we started meeting back again July 1st or July 5th. And we've basically been in person since the start. And we're Northview is a church of 85 to 100. Uh, we meet in a YMCA. So we have a pretty large gym that we can meet in. And so when you talk about just the COVID restrictions and kind of dealing with COVID, we had a lot of freedom because we had so much space. And because the size of our church, we could meet fully on Sunday mornings. We could we did kids ministry um, starting in uh, September. And so in all reality, um, we've been basically been doing church as normal as much as you can um, since August, September with our affinity groups and youth ministry, small groups and stuff like that. So um, some of that we... We've done uh, a couple of our small groups meet online virtually. Some of our groups meet in person. And what we've learned is, okay, it's not a one size fits all. We need to kind of figure out what works best for the people in each group. And and um, so it's been a, a kind of a steep learning curve for me just coming in brand new. But in some ways, I think being brand new afforded me a lot of grace. We didn't have a lot of um, dissension in our church and... Uh, I think some of that was, you know, when you go through a transition, the, the church is happy they have a pastor, you know, and, and so in some ways that afforded me some grace. So I think a lot of the people I've talked to, pastors have had the least amount of fighting or least amount of dissension have been new pastors because they've, they're still in the honeymoon period. And that's, that's kind of where I started from. Yeah, Brian, I was able to actually visit your church before you came in March and took over and you have an, a wonderful fellowship. So um, Thank you. And I actually relate with you because I took over our church in January of 2020 and then COVID happened. And so, you know, as you put it, there's unique challenges with taking over a church. And statistically, there's going to be a fallout. You know, you just expect it and no matter who the pastor is. And so as odd as this sounds for us, one of the things that we faced as a church with COVID and a transition here was that... God does, in fact, work all things together for good. And that's absolutely true. And in this case, it worked in our favor. 
because it kind of filtered out the people that, you know, like, again, fall under the statistic of like, yeah, we're not going to come to this church anymore. And then as a result, we had, I remember we had 10th Avenue North play at our church and there was like a thousand people here. And then that week we had to stop meeting. We didn't meet for 84 days. And so one of the challenges that we were facing as a church is how do you, again, just like what a lot of churches are dealing with, big, smaller, or uh, medium, you know, how do you manage everyone to transition to going online? And now everyone's going online and then like YouTube is going down and then, you know, you have all these technical difficulties and then you're frustrated because it's not going the way you planned. And then aside from technical difficulties, what we saw in our church, and I don't know if you guys face this, but, you know, even for the most introverted people that loved this at the beginning, what we were seeing was massive amounts of depression throughout the church. Our church faced domestic violence with congregants. We unfortunately had people uh, dealing with drug abuse and alcohol abuse, and we even dealt with suicide at our church. And it just, it was like a wave. And it was one of those things because, you know, as, as church leaders, we train community is valuable. We, you know, God works this out so that we can fellowship with one another, but we were training everyone. We can't be near anyone for our own safety. But what was happening at our church is that we had to come to a place after 84 days when we could, you know, once we could reopen. And I'm, I'm not, I am all for submitting to the governing authorities of the land. Absolutely. But what I was facing, we came to a point where it was, is it worth the risk of being fined to meet in person so that people can be ministered to? And so we, we took that risk. We mitigated spread. We social distance. We did everything. It wasn't like we threw our hands up in the air and it's like, this is the Wild West. We can do whatever we want. No, I mean, we wanted to be a good witness, but what we, we made a decision with the challenges we were facing that it's, it was worth it more to minister to 5, 10, 20 more people that might come in order for us to do what, we, what we're commissioned to do. And we can do that with online. I mean, right now we're all meeting in four different places. And for me, it came to a place where I, I knew that every church was dealing with what we were dealing with. And that was the challenges of COVID. But God put this church in my hands and I needed to be faithful to the families that were, that were struggling. And it was evident that they were struggling. And that's just the tip of the iceberg of things that we had to deal with. Um, I, 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 you know, Josh, what do you think? Yeah, I would say that the past, I don't think I've ever really used the word surreal as much as I have uh, right. during this, the, the COVID season. A little different than you guys. Uh, we, were, we were not gathering on weekends in person for 10 months. Yeah. Wow. And, um, a size dynamic, I think. It, social distancing, it just wasn't going to really be all that feasible uh, for us. I really hadn't had, I mean, a lot, a lot of division and just between like whether it's your pro-mask crowd and your anti-mask crowd, your, your pro-government and your anti-government, like we, I think personally and, and for our elders, I mean, that was a challenge because I don't think I've ever really been in a spot in vocational ministry where you, you're going to make a decision and almost know that half of our people are going to be upset. Right. Yeah. Um, so that, that was kind of trying. On the upside uh, of it, though, um, we had tremendous opportunity for uh, just great outpouring of generosity. Uh, we did a separate, uh, we called it, you know, our 2020 challenge to, you know, hey, if you got some extra money from your stimulus, if you got some just extra, you're doing great during COVID, your business, you sell lumber. So you're like a millionaire now. Awesome. Like, 
we were able to bring in uh, extra resources and then go out into our city and try to bless others. And, and that became sort of invigorating in the midst of all this challenge to have some inroads to ministry that we never, never really had before to, to that degree. And I would say that along with what you got, like certainly with some families, domestic violence, marital issues, it seemed like COVID accentuated whatever was there. Yeah. So if the marriage was kind of struggling, COVID just made it like a train wreck. If the marriage was decent, like they love being home together, great. We certainly saw that. But then also, I think there was an increased, we had people call, like cold calling the church being like, my girlfriend dumped me, but she loved Jesus. I got to find out what this is about. People had a spiritual hunger. I Mm -hmm. think it brought some people in. And so it's been fun to see people who, you know, now we reopened on weekends in January and have people like, I feel like I've been here for eight months, but it's my first time ever stepping foot on campus and so the the word that we would uh try to throw it's been unconventional but i would hate to say it's been negative because god's been in control and he's been accomplishing things Mm -hmm. so it's not what we're used to but i but we've seen enough fruit that i'd be like hey lord this he knows what he's doing he's a lot of things but he's not dumb (laughs) (laughs) absolutely not that's exciting to hear about um opportunities that god gave Woodman Valley during COVID. And to all, to all three of you, um, what are maybe some opportunities for ministry, some positive things that happened that maybe you didn't fully expect or you wouldn't have expected in light of the lockdowns? What are some some things you experienced or observed? I think we all want to say like the church isn't a building until you're not allowed to use your building. Correct. And, and so I think there was a real great reckoning for some people as to what is what is my Christian faith? And I think for some who were just going on weekends, when that was gone, what were they left with? And so as we move people into smaller communities, we call them huddles, like like little watch parties, like just a bunch of mini, so we're a multi-site church. And so we just basically said, we're going to have way more multi-site, tiny little campuses everywhere. It got people into relationships in a deeper way, Uh, because it's one thing to come into a big room and slip in and slip out. It's it's another thing to have to go into someone's living room or to be sitting in a parking lot somewhere with just, you know, 17 other folk. And so I think it really brought some good clarity to people as to what, how does my Christian life play out beyond just attending a service? Mm-hmm. And I think for some, they realized that they had taken it for granted. And so I think we've seen sort of a renewed vision on the part of some people because they're like, man, if there was skiing, if there was a great hike, if there was a game, I would do that over church. And and now I think there's people who are like, I'm not making that mistake again. Right. However, I think there was also a large swath of people who were sort of nominal in their faith, maybe, and then not having, I mean, I don't know if they're, I, th- I think they've sort of drifted further. And so now our, our thing is, how can we draw some of those people back? But as I say, we've thrilled with some of the things that the Lord let us go through as much as it was not our first choice. Yeah, that's interesting because I, I was thinking about that even in light of us that they do coincide together in terms of, you know, you think COVID, cre- it's almost like the refiner's fire. And what happens is it's what's surfacing are the impurities, but what's showing is the outcome of what people really were made of. And even though there was a lot of negativity and there was just so much, so, it was a mess. The result for a lot of families is it really showed 
you know, is my faith in Christ as a result of a church building? Or is it because I have to actually learn to love my wife at home because I'm with her every day? Mm-hmm. And I have to learn to parent my kids better because I'm with them every day. And I've never taught them. And now I'm trying to teach them algebra. And I thought I was going to forget that 20 years ago, but here we are now. And, uh, but so for us, you know, it was kind of one of those, it, it helped us to see the gems in the church that in my opinion had a call in their life to leadership and a capacity they never would have known had it not been for COVID, which was a, honestly a wonderful thing in terms of uh, what we saw. And, you know, just like everyone else, I know for us, like we, I'm so thankful we have a facility and a lot of churches don't. And, and Brian, I know you're going to be able to share it because you guys were meeting at the YMCA. And as a result for like churches like us, we had families coming and they're like, our church isn't allowed to be, or they can't be, or Josh, like you, the church is so big, we can't meet there. It's just not the ability. So for us, we always made an intention to not say, well, you're here now, so stay, but Hey, we're glad that you're here, but we, it's so important that you're getting plugged back into the church that you came from because you have community there. You have life and you, you know, you have people that you can spend time with. And so we were glad that we could facilitate that. Um, for a lot of people that just, and, and as you guys know, people just were so hungry for community and everyone was searching for hope in a political answer and I, and an ideology and I call it social media propaganda. And what's happening is you've got these families that are like, nothing is filling that gap. And then they go to church and they hear the word and it's like, it is, it's refreshing to their soul. So I feel like the surfacing that took place as a result, the good that came from this, because God does work all things together for good, was that it allowed us to facilitate and show people that Christ is the answer. And for those that didn't treat their relationship with Christ seriously, now we're in a place where it's like, my marriage is about to fail. But all of this resulted in us forcing to pray together again. And so, and there's story after story after story, but for us, the good we saw was primarily just um, a refiner's fire showing the outcome of how people really were. And it wasn't a bad thing. It was a good thing. I think for me coming in, you know, starting March 1st, it was my goal was to get to know people. And that was kind of out the window, except for there were certain individuals that were helping out with our live stream. We had never live streamed before. Like one week we had never live streamed. The next week, within five days, we had it all figured out so that we could live stream. You know, and, and so the people that helped with our service, all of a sudden I'm getting a lot of time with them. And so there was some relationship building that I didn't expect. And I think for me, uh, I was able to work on some things that I wouldn't have worked on before. Being a new pastor, you try and figure out kind of where are the leaders, who are the leaders. And so it gave me opportunity to, to find leaders and to uh, just put some leadership structure in place. The other thing is, I do think we saw a lot of partnership with other churches too. Uh, we have an Awana ministry that, and we meet at the YMCA. And so lots of churches weren't having Awana or a kids program. And so we were having one because we had the Y and the Y didn't put a real a cap on us for the most part. So we had other churches partner with our church, bringing leaders over and bringing kids over. And it just was a great thing. And we just ended uh, our Awana season a couple weeks ago and we saw several kids come to Christ. It was just like, here, we're going through a pandemic, yet we're still having a kids ministry and churches are partnering together. And it was just run really well. And so just seeing partnership with other churches, seeing the relationships like you guys have talked about where 
you, you had to reach out. You had to be intentional. And um, we had people getting together and, you know, in small clusters or, you know, like our small groups were still getting together, but we needed that relationship. And, and I just think it pointed out how important a communal faith is. It's not a personal faith. It's a communal faith. Yeah, there's personal responsibility. There's I'm um, giving my life to Christ, but it's a communal thing. And I think that's what you saw coming out of it. And I think that's, it's fun that it's, it doesn't matter what size church it is. What it is, is the church of God being the church of God and, and, and being a communal faith together. Excellent thoughts. It's, I've heard similar stories of stuff happening at churches that pastors never expected that just blew their minds. So um, obviously there was a lot of negative, but it's always awesome to hear and see how the positives that the Holy Spirit is bringing about through the result of this. So one question we've been getting at God questions a lot, and I'm sure you guys are experiencing this to a certain degree. Um, what do you say to the Christian who's formerly attending your church or maybe another church who's basically come to the realization that, you know, I kind of like this attending church from home in my pajamas thing. Why do I need to go back to church in person? Why do I need to connect with people in the real world? And even had people like, oh, why don't I just stay at home and read articles on gotquestions.org? And I'm like the first to say, no, that is absolutely not a substitute for church. So what do you say to people? How do you help people to understand like what Brian was saying, that Christianity is a faith in community how do you get people to recognize, again, the importance of attending in person, fellowshipping in person, encouraging one another, et cetera? What do you say to someone who has this wrong attitude about what the church is? Well, and I think part of the wrestle with this is, you know, there was all this discussion of, you know, is the church doing its job if it's not meeting in person? We're like, well, don't forsake the meeting together, but you're still meeting online. So you have that message. Well, now we're saying, hey, don't forsake the meeting together. You need to meet in person now that you can. And so I think some of it is understanding that there's times where we have to pivot and figure out things. But throughout history, for 2,000 years, the church has been coming together in person. And it's a communal thing. And, and whether you go to a large church or a small church, it's about being in relationship together. Because it's not about consumerism. Hey, I can watch TV. I don't have to interact. That's not what... Christianity is about. It's about, I come to give to others. And it may be a conversation that I have on a Sunday morning. It may be through um, just being with others, singing together, reading scripture together, praying together, or through something that was said in the sermon. Yeah, I could listen online, but that interaction after or before the service could spur something on. And the idea of spurring on one another onto loving good deeds is not, it's not easily done through a Zoom call. And so that's my encouragement is History has told us we need to be in community and church isn't about going to a building, but it is about living in community. So it's not about consumerism, whether you're watching on TV or just showing up and leaving and not being engaged. So I guess that's how I would approach it. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I bumped into someone at Target that goes to the church and it was one of those, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. And then she full on said, I just gonna be honest. It's so nice just waking up in pajamas and watching church. And it's, I bet, I mean, I'm the pastor of the church. I want to do that. And I can't even do that. Well, um, you know, I, I completely agree. If church history has taught us anything, and we're going through the book of Acts at our church, which is unique because in light of everything happening, there's just such a fear-based agenda that it's like, guys, look at the early church who had every reason to be freaking out. 
and you know their lives are at stake. Well, our lives are at stake now because of COVID, and, and that's true to a degree. But the church, the church scattered. What, what's interesting about that is the church scattered, and it forced them to fulfill again that that great commission that make disciples who make disciples. And so for us, it hey, I want to stay home and watch church from home. Well, then you know, man, what what a bummer because we don't want to ever make people feel bad in terms of. No. I don't feel safe to come to church yet. I completely understand. And it might be that vaccine or that second vaccine or whatever. And like you and you fill in the blank of what's going to make you feel comfortable with coming back. You know, when everyone's wearing masks, when no one's wearing masks and the list goes on and on. But for us, we wanted to make a conscientious effort that people are adults and they're going to make a decision, but we're going to persuade people. And even for ministry leaders who are going to be listening to this later, don't grow weary while doing good. It feels like mm-hmm. the things that we're doing is in vain, but it's not. And, and, the way that you're ministering to people is going to be effective. And you might not be able to see people that are normally wanting to come back until next year. What a bummer that is. And and I know that breaks all of our hearts, but the reality is, and it's true, Brian, we don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some. I mean, the reality is I'm an extrovert. I need people in my life to pour into me, or I'm going to end up on the news for bad reasons. It's going to be like local pastor goes crazy because denied hanging out with people. And you'll see my face and I'll, my, I'll have like a mug shower, my hair's up. And it's like, anyway, um, yeah, you know, I just to encourage people that, you know, the Lord is going to reveal to you when you need to come back. And the reality is there are people and, and, and Josh, you'll probably relate with the, Brian, you too, just this reality. I, I don't want to be everyone's pastor in the sense of, I don't want to solve everyone's problem. I want the community of believers to be able to be in each other's life. And I can't do that. And I know the church at large mm-hmm. is going to be able to effectively do that when we train them. Your dependency can't be on a pastor or a man or a person at the pulpit. It has to be on the Lord. Because at the end of the day, each of us are one day not going to be at the pulpit anymore. Whether the Lord takes us home or the Lord redirects us somewhere. And so to me, I want to use every moment to be at the pulpit to encourage one another, to stir one another up for good works. Like you said, Brian. And to show them that this faith that we so hold dear to is worth it. And it's worth it in person. Yeah, I, I think what we've been trying to do with people is remind them of, of course, it's pretty comfortable to watch in your pajamas. Like, yeah, that's that's great. And, and you know, heaven was probably pretty comfortable for Jesus, too. But he did not <laughs> consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he humbled himself and became a servant. He put on flesh. He dwelt yep. among us. So we, we our, our faith is actually bound in this incarnational doing ministry in person. And um, I don't think it's necessarily, when we weren't meeting, a lot of people kind of threw around the don't neglect meeting together as the habit of some. And the thing is, that was never written. That wasn't written to like, th- those are house churches that that was written to. Like, it's not, a, you don't have to have 3,000 people in the room to, to assemble, but you need mm-hmm. somebody in the room. Mm-hmm. And so we are trying to say everybody needs somebody. Jesus did ministry in the flesh. We That's sort of what we're based on. We need to be doing that together. And then the flip side of what we've done is things like uh, communion. That's only in person. That, that's for people who are coming together as the body of Christ to remember what he did. So we, we made that decision to not do like an online version, not to have people, you know, take it by themselves at home. And mm-hmm. people have said, like, hey, we miss that. And we're like, well, yeah, when you come back, you can participate. But that's something we do together. Um, same with baptisms. We were like, we'll have some, you know, in, that's in person. 
We're not coming to your house. So there's an example that we believe Christ set forth about doing ministry relationally in person. And there's some things that we think in our polity and our belief that you can't do digitally. Yourself. Right? So kind of on, on you. You're going to make a decision as to, you know, if it's comfort that you're after, I get it. But that actually won't bode well for your Christian walk in the long term. If you're uncomfortable coming back for those reasons that you guys uh, mentioned, that's that's great. We want to be there to minister and give you opportunities. But the goal is at some point that's going to be behind you and you will be back in person because we are doing incarnational relational person ministry. Excellent thoughts. Um, thank you for your insight, for your just the feedback on what you've experienced over the past year. So in closing, I just want to ask each of you, I'm not a pastor. Three of you are. Um, what can us as congregants, as church members, as church attenders do now that would be an encouragement to you as pastors and also help as things return to normal, whatever that's supposed to look like now? And w- what can we be doing that would be especially beneficial to you as a pastor? I, I guess, you know, we got a little saying in our house, like, just be cool. Uh, when I got three sons, when you want to get amped up about something, like just be cool, deep breath, everything's going to be fine. And, and I think a lot of pastors would appreciate that if if people in their church would just be cool. Like it's not, the decisions aren't exactly what you want. I get it. They're probably making decisions that the pastors and, and leaders don't exactly want. It, it's It's a trying time. And if you can certainly express your feelings, awesome. Be part of the community of faith. Fantastic. But to think of all the voices pastors are getting and all sometimes angst-filled, angry voices, yeah. if you can um, bring a little uh, lukewarm water in between that fire and ice that that, that that pastor's getting all the time, I think they'd really appreciate that um, to say, hey, we might not even agree with everything, but just so you know, we're coming back. This is our church. Like that vote of confidence that we're together in this, I think would go a long way for guys. Completely agree. Yeah, I. Uh, nothing thrills me more as a pastor than to see people responding um, to the gospel and what they're hearing. And, and even, and this is just me on a personal level, knowing that people pray for me is ginormous. And, you know, people, hey, pastor, I'm praying for you. Yes. If you ever are wondering, should I be praying for John and Carolyn Gervaisi? The answer is always yes. Um, and this was especially true for us because like COVID happened and things, you know, this really helped us prioritize, even as leaders, what is important. And to me, prayer is so vital. Um, and for and especially because, you know, my daughter got MISC in November, which is a post-complication of COVID, which is multi-inflammatory system and her organs were inflamed, her part of her brain was all throughout her body. And then the body of Christ, we had people praying for my daughter all around the world. And like, you just, you feel it and you know it and God healed her, no post complications uh, with her heart or her brain. And then it's like a breather. And then our house almost burned down um, 12 weeks ago. (laughs) So now we're in this, people are still praying. None of us are hurt. And I'm in this season right now where People keep apologizing to me. I'm so sorry. And it's like, I'm not, I'm not. I'm just so thankful for prayer and for the amount of people that have been just pouring, just pouring time into my, my family from afar. And so as a pastor to answer your question, Shay, what encourages me when I know congregants are seeking the Lord, when they're on their knees, praying on behalf of not just my family, but everyone else. So 
yeah, prayer is huge, and communicating that you're you're praying for us is, I mean, that's huge. And I think giving leaders the benefit of the doubt, like we didn't come into this with a, I mean, the manual we have is scripture, and nowhere in scripture is a pandemic mentioned. And so, giving us the benefit of the doubt, like you would want us to give you the benefit of the doubt. And I, I think there's an importance of not assuming intentions. I think that's huge. And then, I don't know, I, I, there's so much in scripture about unity. It's interesting that the mature believers told, hey, give up your rights for the immature believer. And so I would love for all of us just to think, hey, I'm a mature believer. I'm going to give up my rights for someone else. Like as a pastor, if I saw a bunch of people saying, no, it's not about me. What do you need? Like that would be huge. And so I think just seeking that unity and, and just saying, hey, it's not about me and my rights. Because ultimately, we're citizens of heaven. Like our citizenship isn't here in the U.S. Like it really is not. Like, and when we get so focused on that that we forget that we're brothers and sisters in Christ and our citizenships in heaven, fully there. Like, let's live in unity with brothers and sisters. And so, yeah, just as I thought about, those are kind of my thoughts on kind of how you would help a pastor encourage a pastor because. If it, I don't know if if a church was seeking unity and, and giving each other benefit of doubt, that would be that would be so encouraging. Amen, amen, Pat, guys. That's um, that's great. This is probably one of my favorite shows we've done so far. Love the conversations. Love hearing from you from the pastoral perspective. So Brian, John, Josh, thank you for your time today. Thank you for coming on the show, and for listeners. Um, I hope this has been beneficial to you, whether you're a pastor who are struggling with these same issues or whether you're a congregant who's just no, wanting to know, have a little insight into how pastors are dealing with and how you can possibly be an encouragement to them. So I hope the show is beneficial and encouraging to you as well. Got questions? Bible has answers. We'll help you find them. Your questions, biblical answers. The Got Questions Podcast. Check us out at podcast.gotquestions.org.